0: this is better than dead a literature podcast from a left perspective i'm megan i'm tristan i'm katie today we are going to be talking about parable of the sower which is octavia butler's 1993 novel about a near future in which capital determines the world even more than now it sounds impossible i guess it's not (laughs) so katie why parable of the sower
1: well well megan um If you want to know why Parable of the Sower, I simply would just invite you to take a huge sip of water and then just trot yourself over to the Wikipedia page for this (laughs) book, because uh, you will see that it is all about the roaring 2020s (laughs) and the four horsemen of the apocalypse that uh, ride on through and take a big shit all over everything. Uh Wow. I wonder what that's like. Yeah. but But this book is cool. And good. Um, and important. And it's. So one of the many things I like about it. Is that it's about a. a, a the beginning of a religion. The the starting of a religion. And this religion. Unlike other. Bad ones. Uh, begins when this cool black teenage girl. Decides she is going to start. Her own religion. And it does not turn out. Like. The time that L. Ron Hubbard decided to do that,
2: <laughs> uh, I should Scientologists are going to come after us, Katie.
1: A pure
3: well. money making <laughs> enterprise. Uh,
1: <laughs> my, I, I'm girding my loins for the Scientology <laughs> tax. For who is Katie
0: Krivokolsky.com.
3: I am a suppressive person. <laughs>
1: but her her religion has two parts. It's like God has changed. We'll talk about that. And humans were meant to go among the stars make our home there. And that sounds good. But one of the things that's cool about it is that it's like it sounds like an Elon Musk wet dream <laughs> when you just say that. But actually <laughs> but actually it's not that. It's really cool. It's like this this really beautiful, like compelling thing in the book. And it's about how you can how you can like go on and live with people. But it's also not a we live in a society type deal. Cause Cause it's a wrap on society, but it is like also about it's still about being with people and how it's hard a lot. And, um, almost and exclusively. Like, yeah. 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 Almost the whole damn time. Yeah. Um, but there is community at the end of it, which I think is cool that it ends on a sort of hopeful note, even though the sequel is spoiler alert, even more depressing than this book but it like it's this thing that ends on this hopeful note and it doesn't shy away from how fucked up it is to get to the hopeful note and i and i think that's that's why i that's why i want to read this as opposed to you know all the other great octavia butler books because i know i mean i know we wanted to to read something of hers and this um i think is good for all of those reasons and
0: many more yes it uh it is very, very good. So, um, I wanted to read it because everyone I'm friends with has told me to. And I am like continually embarrassed about my lack of knowledge of sci fi, like more all the time. <laughs> and it turned out to be really generative uh, to help make, shape my thinking on our current moment. And I want to sort of clarify that like, I would, I want to be clear that like reading fiction is not activism It's not organizing. It's not political mobilization. And I'm going to go on the record on that. But Mm. I also think it's something that allows us to have different thoughts about the future and our possibilities. Again, like, how valuable are new thoughts? I don't know. But um, I feel strongly about not collapsing those things. And I also feel like we should – <laughs> read this novel as a novel and not expect that every novel by a black writer needs to like fully account for racism or something like, like that it has to be that kind of object. But I think this book offers a point of view on the truly grueling ordinaries of racial capital. The world that it constructs feels very recognizable. And that's part of what I felt attuned to as I read. Uh which is not to say that like speculative fiction or science fiction that constructs very different worlds isn't interesting, but this world feels close and Mm. it's good for like sci-fi beginners to go like, Oh, this actually feels like uncanny to me and not different. Yeah. So it's good for beginners. And also it's a California novel and I am interested in California fiction. So, (laughs) so that's cool. Didn't know it, but it's great.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, no and, and i you know actually i've I sort of had similar kind of thoughts going into this and and just to sort of state uh you know up front like yeah we're you know I, we record these episodes at various lengths of time from when they're released um this we actually are recording like right in the middle of the uh the, the nationwide protests against uh structural racism and police terror um so it's you know and yeah um so that, that i think that's megan i think that's partially prompting your your thoughts about oh, yeah. reading at mine too um and and, and yeah, I mean, you 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 uh, you know, talked more, you know, even kind of at a at a at a more fundamental level about just like reading fiction, um, but it also gets to like yeah you know and being in an academia and literary criticism um you know like when at a moment when millions of comrades are out there doing the vital work of protest and disobedience um yeah academia is very distant and abstract at times um you know literary criticism and and frankly i think even teaching much of the time also like reading fiction is is not activism i i very much agree with that but yeah at the same time literature and particularly literature that orients around a leftist view of the world can be really important to how we come to understand material conditions and structural realities that we don't see or sometimes overlook uh, or, or are invisible in, in our quote real world lives. And, and, and I do think that, like literature and, and fiction, um, you know, can be uh, and ha- often has been central to forging a politic or, or, or movement building. And and like, yeah, I mean Butler's thinking of this novel is just so relevant to to the present moment. Um, I think it's a book that's really challenging readers to see the consequences of unchecked racism and capital and environmental destruction and a bunch of other different kind of forces. Um, and yeah, I you know, it was it was not exactly a comfortable read in this moment, although I don't think it's ever gonna be a comfortable read given given um the future it envisions and what it deals with. Um, but it also I really felt like a really dynamic read like like immediate to the real in a way that a lot of novels don't. Um, and, and one other reason, uh, it like, you know, as Meg, much like Megan said, people have been re- encouraging me to read more Butler. Uh, like we have in the, uh, M- MA program that Megan and I teach in, uh, we have her really fantastic short story, blood child on the syllabus for several years. Um, and I've always just wanted to read more of her stuff. So, so I'm, I'm stoked for our conversation today.
0: So today we are going to be talking about religion in this novel, uh, what does and doesn't serve as allegory, and its race and class politics. Okay, so Katie, will you walk us through some of the context before we do a summary here?
1: Yes. Um, So I thought what we could do is just talk a little bit about Octavia Butler, because she's just really cool. And I think it'll help situate us uh, as we talk about the novel. So she started writing sci-fi super, super early early when she was 10 or 11 she started with this with this short story uh that was like formative for all of the rest of her writing it was about a little girl who um basically takes a joy ride with a cool guy from mars um <laughs> and they do all sorts of outer space things together oh. um yeah and uh and so then she became a grown-up and continued writing sci-fi and it it was sci-fi that incorporated um, contemporary social problems like racist violence and oppression and corporate greed and um, how we have just began cooking the fucking earth and and refused to stop. And uh, early in her career, she got a ton of like just absolute ridiculous bullshit for putting black people in sci-fi stories. <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah like she got a lot of cool advice about that so this is something that happens in a lot of fantasy and sci-fi novels not it's not like the uh there you have these genre any genre has cornered the market on racism um but at the time uh when she was writing it was like she kept getting this suggestion once when she when she was in college she was a freshman in 1966 and she she writes about how her teacher uh, warned her not to use Black characters in stories unless those characters' Blackness was somehow essential to the plot. God. Um, yeah. She also, she writes, um, the presence of Blacks my teacher felt changed the focus of the story, drew attention from the intended subject. So the, the point uh, went right over that person's head, uh, shockingly. Yeah. And then she got it again... Over a decade later, in seventy nine, um, there was another another sci fi writer was like, you know, maybe instead of writing about black people, you should just make them aliens, and that will that would be a good idea to do.
0: Um, Again, so- this is the, like every every like novel with black characters, and it has to be has to be like accountable for the entirety of like racism,
3: right. blackness,
0: right? Yep. Like you can't also have other genres that that have like racialized forms without it being like you are responsible for the whole thing.
2: Right. Yeah. And yeah. And, and that thing that, you know, a lot of, a lot of people, a lot of theorists and critics have, have made this point, but that like, is still like, you know, lives on in this extremely frustrating way. Right. That like, that like white is the untyped universal and like black mm-hmm. is like always already overdetermined and particularized. And I mean, and to the level that like, yeah, a fucking teacher, like say basically explicitly in those terms that that's what you have to do as a, you know, that's, yeah. Jesus Christ! But yeah, and and she
1: also like explicitly said, "No, I want to be in my story. Like, I right. want to be in yeah. my writing. Thanks oh, very much." Okay. So that that's a part of that short essay. Um, that that the quote that I read came from. It's called uh "The Lost Races of Science Fiction." Um, she published it in 1980, and the the thing about this essay is like it's it's brief, but for her she she felt it i it was an encapsulation of her thinking about um about like that question that kept coming up so she would send it to fan like with when fans wrote letters she would reply and send that essay uh, hmm. with her reply she sent it to other sci-fi authors like when she um she was going to she did an analogy and th- oh, an analogy Jesus Christ! She she did an anthology. Sorry, <laughs> right, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I got you. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> she did an analogy. Um, she she also sent it to people who uh, wanted to interview her. So,
0: um, right, like if you're going to ask these questions, let me just like let you know. Here are the answers to the four questions that you're already going to ask me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know that people have been uh fucking ridiculous when when you have to have a thing that you send out yeah. just yeah. in advance. Right. Yeah. To just just thwart the thwart the stupid. But it was this it's also like it's it's good to have this this essay because um she writes basically she writes very directly in it about um about her own work, about her thoughts about race and sci-fi and about her thoughts about race on her uh, in her own fiction uh so she writes um no writer who regards blacks as people human beings with the usual variety of human concerns flaws skills hopes etc would have trouble creating interesting backgrounds and goals for black characters so that's that's butler and that's sort of how she addresses race in her fiction then sort of moving on to just her she Really, so we'll talk more about this, like what the word means, what the written word means, um, and there's a religious valence to this, uh, like the word made flesh, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but the other thing that's cool about her is that she was really into like affirmations, and we ha- like this this persists in her journals from the mid seventies to the eighties. She was really really successful, so she uh, want to hugo and nebula award which for sci-fi writers is like it's like the egot i don't know i know those are different i know those are different, like different uh you know genres of thing to do but um it's not like the it's not like the academy award and the other one that i can't remember the name of because there's there's a difference in quality there yeah 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 <laughs> But she would write stuff in her journals like, um, I'm a best-selling writer, I write best-selling books, so be it, see to it. And she continues writing this thing, um, writing these things, you know, like up into almost the 90s, we have this thing she wrote in a journal, I shall be a best-selling writer, so be it, see to it. And so this thing that she keeps writing at the end, the tag at the end, so be it, see to it, there's this way that for her, it's like writing – can do something to change her personal reality and it means something socially and politically. And again, I don't have a huge point about that other than there's this continuity there between how she, how she viewed writing in her own life and what she thought her fiction could do um, and the sense that the word is supernaturally powerful, like, that does something for me when I'm trying to understand, like, why is this a parable? what's the religious stuff mm-hmm. doing what's going on here mm-hmm. that sort of that sort of helps and just to to sort of end things here this book came out in the mid 90s okay so and, and in 95 she won a macarthur and she was the first sci-fi writer to ever get one and she her plan was that she would finish the rest of the parable series so it was going to be four books and this book is is a a rewarding but a rough ride and yeah. um it's sort it sort of ends somewhat hopefully um but the sequel the parable of the talents is is somehow an even rougher ride and after that she said that it was simply too too depressing to continue mm-hmm. and uh she, re- she wrote a vampire book called Fledgling instead which is A great book, and uh, I think it should be part of our series on vampire novels.
0: I am going to nominate Jewel Gomez's uh, The Gilda Stories for that one, which is also by a black writer. So there are some really good vampire books out there.
2: Uh, I would love to read that because um, I think when you say vampire novel, now what that popularly uh, connotates is – uh fucking um twilight mormons. uh more yes mormons in mormons in the pacific northwest mormon vampires yes. in the pacific northwest and or uh like Big indians Anne-
0: my favorite
2: <laughs> yeah or
0: and rice or hello ad, or, sexy or oh yeah rice.
2: but but ad, you know although i'd, I'd actually add right Add ad rice feels like two or three cultural moments removed at this point but
0: <laughs> also uh, like way better than twilight
2: yeah, I know that's not, that's very unfair to add Rice, but.
0: Uh, Katie, will you uh, give us a summary and tell us what happens in this book?
1: I would love to tell you what happens in this book. Just close your eyes and picture the road, the book, The Road, but picture if it were good <laughs> instead of bad. Okay. On that help? On board. Okay. Yep. Um, Okay. So the novel is a journal of Lauren Olamina, Um, And she's, she, when the novel starts, she's 15 and it takes place over three years. So by the time the novel ends, she's 18, I can do math. (laughs) Um, The, it's uh, 2024 to 2027. So that's, so we're in the not so distant future. And um, so Lauren has a hyper empathy syndrome because her mom took this pharmaceutical and it may, it, I guess the side effect uh, that's not a real thing to say a side effect is just a marketing term um <laughs> is that uh so so if Lauren sees somebody else's pain or pleasure she experiences it and she has to see it is the important thing she can't like hear what's going on she just to see it um And she basically says, like, yeah, it's super cool when I'm having sex, but it sucks shit the most the rest of the time uh, as we as we are in our dystopian land with uh, packs of dogs wandering freely. And uh, as we're kind of doing the setup, I will note here that Lauren has a boyfriend whose name is Curtis. (laughs) And and I am mentioning Curtis because he is a true Hall of Famer all time. Irrelevant, unimportant boyfriend. <laughs> mm-hmm, absolutely true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he he's he's the number one guy that I don't remember. Um,
2: he
0: remembered his name, which is actually pretty pretty great.
2: Yeah I, I i finished this a week ago and I had forgotten that was his name until you just said that.
0: <laughs> and I remember honestly, like she's really good at. Uh, I remember almost everybody's name in this book.
2: Yeah, yes. yeah, 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 yeah. Except old old Curtis, but anyway.
0: Well,
1: yes. Um, Curtis. Anyway, that's the last you'll hear of him because <laughs> he won't come up again. Um, she So Lauren lives in Robledo uh, with her family, which is like a fictional Southern California town. Um, and it's the, again, dystopian version of like a wall. It's like a walled off community. It's like either medieval or it's somewhere between medieval and and real housewives gated. You know, like that's where we are. It's but so the thing is that when you go outside past the wall, things get extremely fucked up very fast. So your options basically include getting murdered, raped, mutilated, or eaten by the many roving bands of dogs, which I may have mentioned. So
2: basically, if the paranoid delusions of white suburban shitheads were real, mm-hmm. is what happens. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Correct.
1: Yes. Relevant. Yes.
2: <laughs> yes. Yeah.
1: Yes. Topical. Um so Lauren's family is doing pretty much as well as anyone is doing. Um, but there's still uh no no water uh, we don't have any water. Uh, it doesn't rain for, like, years on end. And there's a there's a scary uh, drug thing happening. I sound like a grandma when mm. I'm doing this. But there's a scary oh. drug thing happening. Um, and it basically makes people have a euphoric sexual response to setting things and or people on fire. Yeah. Um, which is not great. There's just a so we can see like, so they've got this community and they're behind this wall, but you can see like things are, are sort of starting to deteriorate. We can see that things have deteriorated quite a bit by the time we get there, um, in Lauren's journal. So there's one guy in the neighborhood who he's got a decent amount of money and he uses it to buy wives. Um, and, uh, there's also like stuff going on. So with the children, there's a little girl named Amy and, um, She starts this fire, uh, and after she does that, we find out more about her because Lauren kind of takes an interest in her. And um, we find out that Amy is actually – was born after her mom's uncle raped her repeatedly and possibly also uh, did the same to Amy. And um, in the really sad part of the early novel, Amy gets killed by a stray bullet that sort of just – comes in through the the wall and um
2: and if i can just interject something here like so one yeah. thing when i first started reading the novel that i was kind of like i don't really know how i feel about this is so it's, it's written in the early or mid 90s and like it definitely like I at first I was reading this as like that like crime wave era sort of like 80s drug paranoia moment but I actually don't think that's what it is at all I think like what what Butler is showing is uh, the sort of like deterioration of material conditions also creating a deterioration of like society at the fabric of society itself so like so I think she's playing on some of that sort of like sometimes like right wing paranoia of that of that particular moment and that's still with us but she de- But she takes it in a very, very different direction, I think.
0: Well, she uses the word desperate all the time. It's like one of her big sort of signposts of like what people's behavior is when they're Mm hyper-determined. And I think that that's one of the things that she's pointing to.
2: Yeah, definitely.
1: Yeah, she talks about also how it's... So, who you really have to worry about are the people who have made plans to fuck with you. Mm-hmm. And in fact, what's mostly happening is that people just get desperate, like you said, Megan. Like that's the that's the thing. It's not like it's not this this fantasy of um you know like you go to a you go to a weird Facebook group and you hear like somebody freaking out racistly about like you're going to get abducted out of the Walmart parking lot mm-hmm. like not right. at all. Th- yeah. it, no it 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 looks like, in some ways, it seems like it's going to be that genre, mm-hmm. Tristan, like you're saying. But it's, but it, then it turns out sort of, it's really not. Yeah, and
2: and what? You, yeah, right. The desperation, right? It's like no. It's it's like it because like the great majority of the population in this world do not have the basic conditions to live. Okay, what's the effect of that? And the effect is like precarity and violence across the board.
1: Mm-hmm. And there also is this. It's important. It is sort of important that it seems like at some point pharmaceutical shit has, has gone.
2: Yeah. That's the other thing. Like the the drug stuff is not like freaking out about like, kind of like street level drug dealers. It's like, no, these disgusting companies (laughs) have created this shit that is like, has having these like horrible effects.
1: Yeah. So it's like, so, so there's we're that's where we are. So I've set the scene here and, um, you may be wondering why, uh, whether there's anywhere to get the fuck away to um and lauren in fact uh has the same thought she decides it's time to get the fuck out of where she is because she sees that things are not gonna like this wall's not gonna hold up forever this isn't gonna work out um it's time to fucking go and everybody there is already like they're already armed as much as they can be they've got like I don't know gun names, but they do. <laughs> um, it's like we have guns, the magazines, the bullets, you know, the words. <laughs> um, but she also starts taking survivalism super seriously because she's like, we're all going to fucking die if we don't try to get go north. Basically up to Oregon, where or like Oregon, Washington, where she thinks there's more water, there's cheaper food. Um, and her dad is a reverend and he is like, No. Stop talking about this shit. You're going to scare everyone. We shall set up a night watch and do adult education classes. And uh, we're going to just try that until shit hits the fan and we'll just hope it works. And she's like, okay, I'll give it a whirl. Uh, unfortunately, it does not work. Um, so things start getting quite bad. People start breaking into the neighborhood and – stealing stuff um stealing essentials and also at one point there's an old woman who gets raped and all of her i think like most of what's in her house gets taken she then kills herself uh lauren's brother uh who's 13 um in in the beginning he sort of decides like he's not interested in staying either but he does a different thing he doesn't do this planned out escape uh he just kind of dips out and um he starts getting mixed up in just sort of undetermined bad shit um Lauren doesn't really know uh but she does know that he is killing people and taking their cash if they don't have if they can't if they're not armed um and he is he's bringing a bunch of money home for a while that he gives to Lauren's step Mother, his mother and lauren also really dislikes her brother because um she's like of course my stepmom's favorite son is the is the dumbest son
3: um (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah.
1: (laughs) so like they sort of have this rivalry going on and she resents him when he leaves and she also sort of still resents him even after he dies. Um, So her parents have to go identify his body. And it's one of the most gruesome Mm -hmm. parts of the book, Mm -hmm. because what we find out is that he's been tortured to death horribly over, over many days. And there's more stuff about, about her hyper empathy and, and what it means when it's a dead person um, that we can possibly uh, talk about in a little bit. Mm -hmm. But anyway, So it's – people are sort of getting the idea that it's time to go vaguely in different ways. And some families leave to essentially what amounts to like a dystopian Amazon compound. Um, (laughs) It's like a company town.
0: It's a little bit like – and of course it's like funny, but it's a little bit like the scenes in uh, Sorry to Bother You, where people are like living in – in bunks and and eating gruel and that's like they're so grateful that they have a job
1: yes this is like people are basically saying um and lauren's best friend is is one of the is with one of the family is is a member of one of the families who goes to this company town um they've like basically bring a tank and are like okay it's time to go um and they're like okay for safety in exchange for safety Will become essentially slaves to the corporation because the wages are so bad and the rents are so high that everybody inevitably ends up um, in debt. And,
0: and if after you're lucky that, Lauren's. To go, you have to be white,
3: mostly, yes. right? Because
0: yeah. this is like, yes. they have a sort of like racially mixed community. And this comes up because there's like a lot of people of color living in this neighborhood.
2: Yes.
3: Yeah.
1: Yes and i think we'll probably talk about this more later but one of the things that the the company does is they send like this huge armor tank and they send like a white guy and a black guy right. and that's like a that's that's supposed to be some sort of a gesture um and lauren's stepmom like responds to it by going and talking to um the the black um company i guess like Sol- soldier guy <laughs> um i don't know what exactly he is he's he's like a heavily armed guy in a tank so lauren decides after that that she's going to leave when she turns 18 and um but as she after she's made that decision her dad who is ta- who's the town minister he's baptist um she has like this sort of conflicted but also close relationship with him and he he goes missing, and Lauren and some of the other community members go out and look for him, and they find this severed arm, and she thinks that it could be his. And they hear this man screaming um, off in the distance, and she knows she can't see it because she'll she'll fall apart because of her – she'll experience his pain. Um, and then the other people that are there say they don't really think it's him, and they sort of leave it at that. So again like then there's this in- there's this incident that happens that is that is the reason why Lauren leaves. Um and it's because she's sort of forced to. So a bunch of people come in and they are uh they're on this drug that makes them want to start fires and they've painted their faces green and they basically go into the community and they they start raping and shooting and taking um just like whatever they can find um they kill lauren's family lauren grabs her bag of stuff that she has packed to get out of there and she digs the family's money stash from under their lemon tree and she just she runs um and she has two people from the neighborhood who join her harry and zara um and zara is the youngest uh one of the wives um i I mentioned uh her husband earlier um he he's the way that she puts it is that he bought her from her mom who was homeless when she was 15 um and there's a lot more stuff about her background too that we could talk about um but things things get slightly complicated on the road um as they often do so uh lauren much like all cool heroines (laughs) in literature Mm -hmm. We've touched um, on this. It's, it's tall. <laughs> yes. <laughs> she's tall. Yep. She She's tall and cool. And because she is tall, she's, and because it affords her more protection, she says, I'll disguise myself as a man. But Zara, they talk about how her looks wind up attracting a bunch of attention. Um, and Lauren wakes up at one point with this guy who's been harassing them on top of her. And she has to bash in his head with a boulder. And then she's got to slit his throat to make sure that he is dead. Um, because this is, again, she can't, if if he wakes up, she'll feel his pain and she won't be able to keep moving. Um, and Harry and Zara are traveling with her, but they don't know about her hyper empathy yet. And Harry is kind of being a dick. Like he's, he's being like, thou shalt not kill. <laughs> um, yeah. And then she winds up telling them about her hyper empathy and about Earthseed, this religion that that she is, she's she's starting,
0: she's writing it so, into existence, right? And this is the thing, Katie, that I know you kind of care about, right? Which is like the word, the living word.
1: Yes, she's writing it into she's writing it into being. She's writing it again and again in these. We get it as these little snippets at the beginning of chapters, um, and we get it repeated, and. She's like, we she we she talks about reworking it and reworking it until it's right, um until it's like given to her as right, and um, so this is like sort of a background thing until this point, and then it sort of gets front loaded, like people start kind of buying in, and um, in addition to the religion, uh, unfortunately Harry and Zara get horny and annoying, (laughs) um. While they're sort of traveling and trying to trying to not die, um, but it's not as bad as it could be.
3: <laughs>
1: so, <laughs> so they're heading north. They're on the one hundred um,
2: yeah.
3: and
1: one. Yeah, they have a gun and shit, and. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, by the way, and
2: they walk they're, They walk on all the freeways in California because th- basically no one has a car anymore mm-hmm. because fuel yeah. and cars are so expensive. So the freeway system is now just like these these pedestrian pathways, these like sort of like <laughs> masses of humanity are, are just walking on.
1: Yes. Yes. It is. It is not uh, an eco-friendly bike path. However, it is more of a uh, terrible death journey.
3: <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah.
1: So, uh, and speaking of, um, they're like sort of, they're just trying to defend themselves, they're they're keeping to themselves, and then they're at this water station where you like pay exorbitant amounts of money to get um, sort of like water that, uh, it it won't kill you. That's the ringing endorsement Mm -hmm. that it's given. Mm. You'd be pretty sure it won't kill you. Um, And they, and the group sees these like bunch of assholes trying to steal water from a baby, and Lauren intervenes, and she sort of she sees that they're both um, mixed race groups and that that might attract attention but she also says that and she says it directly to the to the man um in the group that they're that they're natural allies that this makes them natural allies and the group is um Travis Natividad and the baby Domingo mm-hmm. um
0: and it's a huge deal it, that they join together this is like actually a major point of conflict between Lauren and Harry, because we've gotten all this messaging thus far about like don't trust anyone, little kids are pickpockets. Mm-hmm. We like anything can go wrong. So they're all sort of like coming together as a group is this is a huge change.
1: Yeah, and it also is this moment where like so Harry again being a dipshit, um <laughs> reveals that that so when he's he's calling lauren lauren and she's like it sounds like lorne like lauren michaels <laughs> yeah um yeah, yeah. yeah and so like it doesn't blow her cover but then he starts saying she uh, and her. her and she yeah yeah, yeah. yep and so th- they're like what the fuck um so so she like they sort of wind up leveling with them and revealing a lot which is um which is again part of the huge deal of it is like first it's trusting them and then it's it's really revealing a lot to them also about the religion and stuff mm-hmm. um and uh so Travis and Zara sort of like become the first believers in in the um in Lauren's new faith and they meet this older man on the road um Bankole and Lauren, connects with him immediately because like back in the 60s um a lot of black people changed their surnames to african names he and her grandfather chose yoruba names um when most other people chose swahili names that's the part of the book where things seem like they're going to be okay for like four seconds uh and then there's a giant earthquake oh
2: yeah. california yeah. <laughs> yep. california
0: and i think climate change is sort of implied to be happening there that's
2: yeah, it yeah 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 yeah.
0: the the climate has
1: changed they so there's the so there's this earthquake um and they rescue these two sisters jill and ally from the earthquake and i'm gonna make it snappy through the rest of this so lauren and Bankole become like a a couple and uh what 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 do you know? He has three hundred acres of land in Northern California. <laughs> we all knew we liked this guy, right? We love Humboldt um, County
0: and we love this guy. <laughs> yes,
1: <laughs> yes. And the group is getting into getting into Earthseed, uh, and it's and the group is also growing. So they pick up this orphan named Justin, and Allie sort of decides she's going to adopt him, and then we get Emory and Tori. Um, they're this mom and daughter duo who are escaping um, debt slavery from this like Monsanto ass bullshit fucking l- like awful company. Mm-hmm. We also get this uh, dad and daughter duo uh, Grayson and Doe. And it turns out that these these four also have hyper empathy syndrome.
0: And this is also where we start to see these like really uh, we won't have much time to talk about it but these like patterns of parenting that are uh i don't want to say non-traditional because that's kind of like that that word means nothing but there's cross-parenting in that like yeah. ali is parenting justin and and uh and um the baby is cared for by other people. so there's like the yeah. way that they construct a family is like kind of groovy and
2: and even when they're yes. back in uh, Robledo right that there that there's a sense that, that like yeah like child rearing is this kind of communal activity in a way that like the, 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 the quote unquote nuclear family of that bullshit like 1950s fantasy model does not it just it, it's it's like a material impossibility in this world um,
3: mm-hmm. and
2: and and which allows you to envision a family structure that is you know I mean, like it comes out of dystopia but it actually offers like a lot of ways of re reimagining what a family would be
0: what's the only way they can actually survive right turns out that like in this version is much more um cohesive than it's not stable but it's cohesive
2: yeah
1: yeah and it's it's really important that it's so different when they're on the road from when they're when they're at home like Mm -hmm. there is still stuff going on where so like Lauren's mom has been dead for a long time by the time the novel opens Mm -hmm. um so we we don't get this like we don't get these like like biofamily fantasies necessarily, but but she does mention like, I know that she doesn't love me as much as she loves her her son, and like so we get like this this tension when they're there and she, and Lauren, when she sort of takes care of um, the, this little girl,
0: Amy, um, Amy, yeah, that's qu- kind of the first moment I see of like um, cross parenting or something.
1: And that is just like a really fucked up situation, and and she sort of like sees this girl, and she can't just let her, she can't just let her not have it like just just languish without any attention, pretty much. Right.
0: But and people get married inside the gay community, and like it is unmentioned once they're on the road.
3: Yeah, yeah, it is. yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> that goes right out the window.
1: Um. But there's like more affinity on the road in this interesting way. There's a, there's this cr- the cross parenting like you're saying, Megan. It like takes a different shape, sort of, once yeah. they're once they're out yeah. of there. Um, and then so so we've got the end. We've got the end. Uh, wouldn't you know? Something else fucked up happens. <laughs> they walk through this giant fire that's it's set by the fire drug guys. <laughs> um, but then they finally make it to Bankole's enormous plot of land and Lauren is like shall we stay and kind of do a community thing here or what do you think yay or nay back back to the road or what and they're all like you know what here is good let's be here <laughs> Um. so they have a ceremony and they name the community acorn
0: and the
1: end
2: which is very earth seedy <laughs> yeah
1: yes. It's seed. It's earth. It's
0: earth seed. It's also this is the only something that her dad has taught her to uh, to use off of mm-hmm. the like in a in that like living off the land sort of way. When she's little, he teaches her how to how to cook acorn.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, people are like acorns gross. Let's cut down this. Let's cut down the acorn tree. And her dad's like,
0: no. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Did you just Uh, call an oak an acorn tree? I did. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so we want to talk a little bit about the production of this religion. Katie, you know more about religious history than Tristan and I do, but like, the word made flesh and the construction of this religion. So do you have any thought? Tell us what a parable is, first of all. Let's just start there.
1: (laughs) Well... Well, Megan, I'd love to tell you what a parable is. <laughs> so basically, a parable is exactly what you think it is. Uh, and believe me, I I googled to make sure I was right about that. <laughs> um, it's basically like a story that's. It's like it's got it's got many layers, man. It's not about what it seems like it's about at first. It's actually about other shit. Um, so, like, I'll give you an example. Would you like to maybe maybe the example would be something like, oh, I don't know, um, a parable of the sower, perhaps.
3: <laughs>
1: if you'd like one of those. Um, so this is this is from, from the book of Mark. And uh it's it starts it starts really funny. Uh listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. Okay. <laughs> um and and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it, other seed fell up on rocky ground where it didn't have much soil and immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil and when the sun rose it was scorched and since it had no root it withered away other seed fell among thorns and the thorns grew up and choked it and it yielded no grain and other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold and he said he who has ears to hear let him hear Um, Okay, so this is like the story that Jesus tells. And so that's the parable. And thank you, Jesus, for explaining what it means. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So, So basically, he's like hanging out with the disciples after that. And he says, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parable. Um, so they see they may see and not perceive and hear and not understand and that's like the thing about the parable is that it it appears to be just a story about like maybe a some sort of a lesson or or maybe just a description of something that natural that's happening it's like sort of coded there's there are there are layers it's like an onion but basically the the point um, of this parable is that well what Jesus says is is that the sower sows the word. Mm. And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And there are ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. And then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away and others are sown among the thorns. They are the ones who hear the word, but the cares of the world and deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things enter in and choke the word. But those that were sown on good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30 fold, 60 fold, and a hundred fold. So... I I didn't mean to do real Bible hours there. Um, <laughs> awful. But 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 it's sort it's important, I think, for a couple reasons. The first is that um it is the parable of the sower, right? And it's about and it's it's very it's it's about sowing and seed. Mm. Um and it's but it's also about like Jesus says that the word is the seed. Mm. So we've got something sort of different going on with like the earth seed stuff where it seems like humanity is the seed. Mm -hmm. But in this case, like, like for, for Christ, it's the word that's the seed and that's what bears fruit and what takes root in people.
2: And, um, and there's a sort of yeah. very rich tradition right and and very diverse tradition of the way like what the word means is is uh you know in christianity like the, the word become flesh right which i mean it means christ's flesh but i mean there's there's lots of like ways to read that and i think some of which encompass like being itself you know um and like i th- like something that's making me think of too is that like I, I generally am not a big religion and lit guy, um, although, like, I, I say, like, I've resisted to it and that someone, you know, like Katie frequently will explain, like, how interesting it is I'm like, oh, yeah, actually, that is pretty cool. But like, but one thing I, I liked about this is like, like, and I think, Megan, you, you made this comment earlier, like seeing like the religion being kind of written into being um, and like as a Marxist, one thing I thought was so interesting is like seeing like the historical and material conditions around the production of a religion and a, mm-hmm. a religion being produced as a way of like having a response to that that kind of material reality, but also like necessitated by it. Um, it's like, yeah, I mean, that, that's kind of the story of how religions generally develop. Um, so I, I, thought that was, I thought that was really cool um, what she was doing with that. And it's,
0: I think, n- important to note here that it's also like a for her it's very much a pedagogy right so a big thing about her is that she's a teacher she starts and she's teaching these little kids but also as she goes we encounter a lot of people um who who often have been raised outside of these gated communities and who are the poorer people um who can't read or write so she's constantly mm-hmm. teaching people to read and so yeah. this is like this is another part of her is that it's like the notion of God has changed is, is the whole thing. But it's also that it's a it's a pedagogy for her, right? Like this is one of the things she's doing is she's like teaching people to see this is, as opposed – and I think this is a very cross-pollinated thing with Christ as I understand. Mm-hmm. And again, this is like not something that I really know a lot about, but that's her method is teaching. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and
1: it's important that – She is teaching through reading. That's a that's a super Protestant thing. And she talks a little bit about it's not super heavy, but when she's baptized as a 15 year old, she's like, Oh, I wish we did it. She sort of says like flippantly, Oh, I wish we did it like Catholics did it when you're just a baby and you don't know. Or you only have to do it Um, once.
3: Because she's
2: (laughs) been baptized like three times or something.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So but like the conscious the consciousness is is something like it's important that it's important you that it's experienced and remembered and it's the it's some there's something in it that's similar to the way that like her that her teaching functions that she she wants people to know how to read because they want to know how right.
3: mm-hmm.
1: um it, it's not for any reason other than their own desire to do it so there's like a little bit of a so it's not totally just like oh we learn to read so we can read religious texts right yeah it's there's something different going on.
2: Yeah. And well, and and also like the the idea of uh, like rebirth and baptism to that, that like, I think that has an interesting relationship to her, her relationship to like her father's religion. So like his, Mm -hmm. like kind of Baptist sort of Christianity, like, to her, and I think to a lot of people for generation, it just like it has very little kind of explicatory or real kind of use value in this n- world. Like, I mean, and her father takes it very seriously, but it's just not, it doesn't like narrate in a way that she feels like makes sense or has much to offer. So like, and, so, and you know, she like Earthseed draws on, and you know, some characters in the novel make this sort of like kind of critical comments about this, but it, but I think that they are, there is, there's some substance to them that like, she's drawn on Buddhism, she's drawn on Christianity. Mm-hmm. Like, so like she has a lot of kind of source material she's taking from, from so it's not like a lot of it isn't like wholly new but it's like reformulated in this way that is like you know responds to like the kind of new reality and and sort of does try to like you know pull back together under some kind of uh, order or or, or like praxis right like in 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 the kind of contemporary world
0: and that's the part of the thing too and she's she's constantly saying god is change right so again this is like this is the thing and so the community that she's in is always being sort of reshaped reformulated the family structure of it is is not uh it's not linear like it's not descent descendant based because mm-hmm. it's constantly in
2: shift yeah
0: yeah yeah and the ch-
1: so like the god change changed thing it's she she finds it she com- it comes to her in the world and it makes her It's not like this given revelation about like what God – the truth of what God is. It's like for her, it's a a question or it's like a – it's a way in. She she wonders – she like muses about whether God is more like the clockmaker, like a deist type of God who like winds the watch and like lets
0: it – you know, makes us and things. leaves us alone, right? That's the sort of. Mm. Is that right? Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. That's that's right. Yeah. Yep.
1: And she thinks, like, well, maybe that is what it is. Um, but maybe God is actually like my brothers when they they start playing with their toys too hard and they like smash them into each other. Mm. Maybe that's more like what we are. Maybe we're not. Maybe it's not indifference. Maybe it's like this. Maybe it's a difference in scale. Mm. Like, there is all. I mean, we could just talk about this we could do all sorts of religious stuff with it i i won't um I won't be invited back what? if i if i can continue uh for 3 hours down this road um but we like we really you could do a full out like religious reading of this book and never get tired.
2: Yeah, no, I, I'm sure I'm, I, I have no doubt. That's the, that's the case. Um, and, and I do, I mean, it isn't like earth State is, is a very like humanist religion. And that it like, I like, I used the word praxis earlier. I, I think that ultimately is what it is. It's like, it, it's, uh, you know, and, and, but, but like, I don't know, like, I mean, I think it values something about like religion as a structure that does that. Right. Like, I mean, it, cause you know, that you could imagine like um uh, lauren or you know butler's the author envisioning like a different sort of like kind of philosophical approach uh to, to do that but but there there is something about the way religion has worked in human history that i think seems for the novel particularly suited to like what lauren is trying to do and like what what is kind of necessitated in, in this world but but that does really front the human and in front like mm-hmm. like yeah like god has changed we make god um you know it, 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 which is a which is a really um you know i mean there there are theological precedence for that but i mean it's i think it's the way it's figured and this is really interesting um and kind of of great
1: Mm -hmm. so everything we touch we change is the other thing that she's saying and everything we change changes us Mm -hmm. so it's like this dynamic relationship tristan i think like that's maybe part of what you're saying the other thing is that she gets directly asked about this but i think i think harry and he's like what did you do this what why did you like create this or why did you write this down or why did you do this and she says um well it's to give people the lessons that they need to go on Mm. well why not just give people the lessons and she says well it's because when people get afraid they don't remember the lessons but they remember god right yeah so like it's all built around this thing of like human fear and suffering and like what is the human need that religion can respond to Mm -hmm. that's why i that that's why there is God in here, is what she says. Right, and she's
0: this is like, I don't know where I'm kind of going, but like she's a she's sort of a medium. Like that's how she kind of thinks of herself, right? Like she's receiving this, but she's not having revelations. Like it's not quite the same in the sense that she's not having these like giant events, right? Like there's no burning bush nonsense. There's just yeah. she's sort of like a conduit. Yeah. You
2: know? I think that opens up a big question I, I I had too right which is that like the like like so like a lot of dystopian science fiction that we know um you know that's you know very popular uh th- there's some there's some big shit that happens right like there's a mm-hmm. nuclear war there's a plague um that's not what seems to have happened here I mean there is climate change the sea levels are rising there's no rain um in you know in, in southern california a lot of the country we're already seeing that like in the, in, in, uh, in rl 2020 but like there's not there's not like one event that you could point you like this is where the world fell to shit instead it's this like this story of uh just like ongoing sort of like shitty structures and material relationships which have Ultimately led to this like very decayed and like collapsing society, right? Like so, so it, it, in a way that like that, yeah, that like that doesn't that doesn't feel like it fits with like allegory, uh, you know, which is mm-hmm. very sort of like il- illustrative in some ways, um, but does feel very novelly, right?
0: Right. It doesn't. It's like not driven by the event, and I want to. I just want to say like we're not going to do Zizek hours or like <laughs> yeah. the other event <laughs> tried by Dieu. Do you know that, Katie? Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's the yeah, event. Yeah, yeah. So like, so we're not doing that. But I do think in the in the sort of like vernacular sense of the word event, there's still none of that either, right? Like there's not, it's not a one thing because it's a grind. It's not like and everybody ended up this other way on the other side of it. It's that like, no, it's a wearing. It's not, and that even maintaining something like the walled community, not the sort of piecemeal community that is Earthseed, requires. This degree of vigilance that actually can't be sustained. Like they can't, right. uh, they can't maintain this sort of like the thing that we used to think of as being sort of bourgeois. Her parents both have PhDs. I will note.
2: Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah.
0: Being her that. father and her stepmother, which is like, yeah. again, that's sort of marking this zone where like you could have had class aspirations once upon a time, and now you yeah. have only your wall and your razor wire to protect you, and it doesn't do a very good job. But That, I mean, both it's eventlessness and also it's on, it's being like, it doesn't have a beginning or an end uh, in the sense, I mean, it's a novel, but the (laughs) structure doesn't, it's not presented as having a beginning or an end. And that, again, is one of those things that's like, we've talked about this before, that like allegory or uh, uh, (laughs) political like clunkiness or however we want to think about that. I love allegory i'm like super Mm -hmm, on board for like yeah snow piercer shit where it's just like you got to get from the back of the train to the front of the train and at the further you go the richer (laughs) the people are like i am i love that movie i'm super here for it but that's not what this is doing uh it's not showing you a structure and then saying and this helps us see this other structure like it's just not that and it's much you're right it's much more Novelty in that way, and that's also like why people don't just like every person who comes along is not a stick figurey character yeah, who just yeah, yeah. attaches him or herself to her religion
2: no and i mean like yeah and i think the novel is full of characters like there are very few people that you could point to that are doing like the allegory thing of types um including lauren i mean she's smart uh you know she's she's kind of you know a a questioning and like rebellious sort of teenager but like very little about her screams like yes this is like the prophetess right like this is the like you know she she doesn't do that that's not who she is she is a novelly character she's you know an, an individual in the world uh you know individual, individual admit, admit structure and 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 material conditions but like yeah um yeah no and, you're right they're they're not they're, these are not allegorical figures at all
0: and like everybody else in this novel she has to sort of like change she has to like completely reshape herself all the time right so so she's a man for a little while and then she's mm. not and then she's like in this relationship with bankale and then and, and it's kind of he thinks it's weird because she's 18 and he's in his fifties, but the mm-hmm. novel doesn't think it's weird. I'll just point that out. And <laughs> yeah. uh, so she's also like everybody else. N- she's not just a figurehead. She's like a, she's characterized as being a person. Again, she's not a person. It's a novel,
3: mm-hmm.
2: yeah. but
0: <laughs> she has psychology.
2: Yeah. Yeah. She
0: does, she does have psych.
1: She does have the psychology. Um, he- There's like two things that you're making me think of so two roads are about to diverge in a yellow wood and we can take whatever one. Um, but the one thing is that like, so she, the part of the, the earth seed thing that's like, people do the record scratch thing when they hear about it
0: is that like people are supposed to go to outer space. Yeah, um, that's the yeah. that is, I mean, honestly well, reading it, it, I was a little like, huh?
2: And, and no, and if I if I could, it like the, <laughs> this doesn't feel very like sci-fi in the kind of classic sense because like science, like the science element has so little to do with it. The, and the One of the few glimmerings we get of like, oh yeah, this is like the future in that sense is like, oh, they're doing Mars missions. But like mm-hmm. everyone on Earth is kind of like, why the fuck are we spending money on this? We literally do not have enough money to eat you know yeah. so um but but she wants to hold on to the space aspirations because Lauren sees that yeah like is that that gives humanity sort of a destiny and and uh yeah
1: yeah and she so part of it is like she's really she's really saddened by the fact that there's a there's this astronaut who dies on Mars and wanted to be buried there mm. and um I think it's like the jackass president or something no mm. there's it's like the minister of outer space or like <laughs> some agency that's always about to get like it to cut and this guy's a dipshit um says no mm-hmm. she can't be buried there because her body will like contaminate the surface of mars right, and Lawrence, yeah. like that doesn't make any like why won't you just like let her rest there mm-hmm. um so that like that is significant and is something um the so it's like this very specific historical event in the novel that she's a very specific reaction to because of her own desire to get at, to get out and it like it does something to this religion and there's also this like so it's not allegory and things aren't like Overdetermined in that it's not like we know we need to get from the back of the train to the front of the train, but we do know that she has to she has to leave. Mm-hmm. Like right. for it to even be a novel, yeah, 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 like
2: we, we yeah can yeah just yeah. Sit, yeah
1: sit where we are, and so like she plans to leave, and then and then there is there isn't there there is the event, like which isn't a historical event, but a personal mm-hmm. event, which is that the the whole community gets. Out. Right.
2: Yeah. No, that, that's a good, that is a good point. That is a good point. Um, also, I think like that what, we don't have an event that gets
0: us here in the sense right. that like we're the, a lot of um, dystopian fictions be have an event that has occurred before the beginning of the novel that you then have yes. to construct. But you're absolutely yeah. right. There is this event in the structure of the novel that allows yeah. her to get to the thing that we know she has to get to
2: right and well yeah and but it is it is like yeah it is like an individual it is like a novel scale event because like it has like individual or like communal relevance but i think the difference is like there there's not like a world creating event right like that yeah um but i actually one thing i did because you know we we haven't talked about it uh, um and and i don't know how much needs to be said about it but the one way in which i think that she might have like a kind of allegoricaliness to her does have to do well it is suggested by the hyper-empathy thing, right? Like, she is, like, marked in this way, but I think what is so interesting about it is it's not, that's not, like, the finger of God. It is, like, this specific thing that happened, which there was this fucking shitty drug company that made this drug that has this side effect, which, like, gives you just, like, basically, like, your psych, your, 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 at the psychic level, you sort of, like, see pain, and then that produces, like, this intense somatic reaction to it. Um, like, that, that, but yeah, so, so it's, so it's like, it, it sort of, like, suggests the allegorical, but then it sort of pulls away from that back into like something that's very not that, you know,
0: especially because there are other people who come along later who have it. And so it it does then become like, yet again, we circle back to this problem of the material conditions of the world. And so what's producing this thing in her is a series of, of conditions, but it is a sort of like supernatural capability. It's just that other people have it. Right. So she doesn't, she's not marked out as hyper individuated in that sense if that seems right like she's not magic
2: no she's not she does have that one great like brutal line where she's like better to have a biological conscience than no conscience at all which is a claim that basically like sort of the world has fallen apart to the point that like you can't have a conscience in a classic sense like that sort of empathy but yet she has it because of this this physiological thing
0: so like okay so why uh do we why do we arrive at this novel in a gated community which is like uh again this is sorry about dystopian movie hours but uh it's like the reverse of the purge right where it's like yeah. they are <laughs> like the, the gated community prevents the other white people from killing the white people when they're that's not what they that's what they should be scared of right like right. that's not what's happening here this is what we're like, I think what we think is other like profoundly desperate brown people are are like thieving from the community that we begin with.
2: Yeah, and, and also it doesn't it doesn't like 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 race and sort of class position don't align in this novel in, in I think ways that uh are you sort of like cliched, right like so like the 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 gated community it is it like it it is like the remnants of a middle class like sort of a, a you know petty bourgeois professional class like her her dad's a reverend but he also has like this engineer job at like the university right they're both PhDs like a lot of other people in the uh, like Bacale he's a doctor right like um but you know so so yeah so there but 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 they're but like it it is a it's a it's a black and brown sort of petty bourgeois sort of gated community um yeah, yeah, no, I mean it, so it isn't that is interesting right like there's so we 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 clearly see three sort of classes the rich assholes in their fortified compounds on the hill we actually um, never
0: see for what it's worth like we know no, they never.
2: exist but, but we, we have
0: know. no they are like a completely distant pr- sense of what yes. they're doing it's like a sense of pressure it's like the abstraction yes.
2: Yes, exactly. And, and we know things that like they're doing slavery in like a very yeah. literal sense and things like that. Uh, they, they have, do- they're the like, no one has a dog anymore because you can't afford meat for it, except rich people have dogs as like guard dogs. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so, but and then, and then like we have the broader proletariat outside the gates who are completely destitute. They have, they have like no, no land, no capacity to like raise their own food, anything like that. But, you know, and so we don't see the rich people at all. The, the 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 proletariat sort of on the outside is this like this sort of like frankly scary force in the novel's terms because they they're like outsiders coming in but what butler focuses on is this remnant of the middle class um and i'm just yeah like i was the whole novel i was kind of like so why like why why do we start there um and yeah so i'm really curious what you guys think
3: the
1: wh- i mean this is maybe a silly thing to say but we talked about how like there's always all this pressure on like the middle class is always is set up to be precarious Mm -hmm. a little bit Mm -hmm. and set up to be like just just wrung out in a way and like we don't have the 1984 proles who kind of like maybe they read like trashy books but like they're like you could go out among them and go to the bar with them Mm -hmm. like that Mm -hmm. this is entirely different this is like you have the The remnants of the middle class who now have to, like, cover themselves in dirt when they go anywhere because otherwise, like, they'll just be set upon. I I think it's because, like, narrative is a – like, having a narrative is a luxury, even if you don't have anything Mm -hmm. else. It's like, in a way, having – being able to be like, and then, and then, and then, as opposed to just having the eternal desperate moment is – is a luxury and like a hangover from the way things used to be that people are always nostalgic about. Yeah. What what we see when we go out into like the outside is that people are covered in sores and they're like the first person they come across, I think, that's out there is this woman who is like naked mm-hmm. and everybody looks at her and Lauren says, I I think maybe like maybe she's on drugs or maybe she was raped so much she's she's crazy yeah. now. Like that's like the alternative that there's there isn't like a a way to live
2: yeah th- no that makes sense and I, I think also that like focusing on the the remnants of the the petty bourgeoisie uh the the middle class like you have um like for the proletariat it the proletariat is already past the point of collapse mm-hmm. um which frankly the Proletariat is always kept like right on on that precipice. Um, when we look instead at these gated communities, what we see is like the collapse, like ongoing, right? So, like, it's, and and so you can sort of see that, you can sort of see where this is where this is headed. Um, but it is like really, and, and again, I'd be talking about just how relevant this feels, you know, all the shit that we know about like the kind of relative sort of uh sort of the, the, the relative wealth, the relative uh sort of uh income potential, all these gross words of millennials to like gen x and baby boobers and how that's going down 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 this novel says that directly right like that that that, you know their her parents have phds like she like college is not really on her horizon really or any of her other like friends right so like that the 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 life that that the parents generation imagined was possible and it still are they committed to this fantasy um in a way that the young people know is just complete bullshit right like so so we see that sort of like collapse happening
0: I mean, I think I I I fully agree with you, Katie, and that one of the other things like fantasies of fill in the blank are what seems to keep this middle class group of people not middle class, but like continues to mark them by that ideological position in the sense that they have these fantasies that like a given institution, like They could call the cops. It costs like a gazillion dollars to do it, but they could. Mm -hmm. And they work, you know, her dad works at a college. And so there are, there is this fantasy of something structuring their days, right? Like something like Mm -hmm. a job, something like a, these, the series of institutions and, uh, and again, family that looks a given way they get, they can get married. So there are these, there are the appearance of institutions that at some point, have been more stable, but you're always one fire away from full collapse in mm-hmm. this, amongst this group of people. So, like, series of fantasies, series of possibilities, future orientations, however we want to put that, are under such pressure that even though people, but nonetheless, people sustain them.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and it's like
1: people do sustain them. And what's interesting is like the younger generation hasn't seen the thing that the older generation is nostalgic right. for. But some of them, so like Lauren's friend, I think her name is Janine. Joanne? Mm-hmm. Joanne.
2: Joanne. Yes. Joanne. Yes, Joanne. Yeah.
1: Fucking jo- narc Joanne. Joanne. I'm still mad at her. Yeah. I know. Joanne Fabrics is a tattletale. No. Um But, like, Joanne, her friend, um, like, sort of wants to think that things will be okay in the way that her parents think things will be okay. Mm -hmm. Or, like, she's – she, like, has this – she has the nostalgia for the things she never experienced. Mm -hmm. Um, I know that's, like, the thing that everyone says about nostalgia is that it's always for the thing you never experienced. But this is, like, a – this is, like, really she never did. Um, But she hangs on to it. And and Lauren – won't even hold on to the form, and I think her brother, um, who winds up dying, he he won't, or they all actually all of her siblings wind up dying. Yeah. Um, but they don't hang on to the form, and Lauren explicitly says, "By hanging on to the form, you're going to get us all killed because
3: mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
1: we're just going to be sitting ducks here because you guys are all like jacking off about the presidential election that isn't going to mean anything anyway." Right. And her dad realizes that too, like without. Sort of like without her pushing him to, yeah,
2: yeah, and and also too. So uh, yeah, I went at like um, this. I wanted to revise something I said earlier. Like I I do. I mean, like, like, yeah, race and class don't always align in ways that we necessarily like. But you know, in, in cliched ways, but like it is also the case that like this collapse of sort of material conditions has, uh, I, I mean, I think has gone along with, has been exacerbated by, and then, and then like really brings back, uh, or, you know, really you know, accentuates racism, right? Like we get this idea that like, that like, yeah, like, well, one that like the, the, the sort of, like the, the, the white world, right? Like that, that company town, it's like, basically they're only they, like, it's sort of like, it, it's not stated directly, but it's kind of like felt that like it's a white only kind of space. Um, um, and then also that like, um, yeah, like that, th- that, suddenly sort of like interracial marriages and things like that are like, are taboo again, in a lot of ways. Um, and, and, and yeah. And so I think that too, the, like the, the, sort of like racial precarity and class precarity of this specific sort of like pr- professional class um, community is, uh, is, is really, yeah. I mean, I think that's another factor that's really important to, to the sort of space and time that she's imagining.
3: Yeah.
1: And like the ways that, that race lingers in this book are like, it's like the thing that people, pe- people still hang on to being racist when they have nothing, nothing yeah, to hang yeah, on right. to. Yeah. Like there's still like an awareness. And, um, but it's not like race is just supposed to be like for Butler. It's not like she's writing it as it's this thing that's, um, oh it's just dividing people it's like lauren is a black girl and she's like she she connects with Bankole because of their like because they chose to do this like this thing that connects them to a particular kind of african culture that like they chose specifically it's different than like what most people did right it's like there are different kinds of there are different kinds of way to be ways to be aware of race. Like Lauren sees a mixed race group and she's like she notices it and she's like, these are these are our allies. Those <laughs> are people are like yeah. us, because this group yeah. of people
0: she's with are it's a mixed race group. And I think that again, like I keep coming back to this and I know that it's like I'm probably belaboring it, but race is not allegorized. It's no. not yeah. as though black people or Latinx people all of whom are like a big presence in this work are made to stand in for something else. And I think that that is like a big thing in Butler in general, right. Is that like part of what she considers to be the thing that she wants to make is psychologically rich characters who are not made to stand in for something. And so like one of the ways that she makes that sort of like obvious is that the people who are made to stand in for something are people who have painted themselves like green and red or yellow. Right. So it's like, the the way that the color of the skin functions there is not that like the sort of melanated skin is that's not supposed to produce an allegorical presence. It's that like painting yourself makes that we we see from the painting of the body that it like makes that incoherent, that you can't right. you can't take color as standing in for something except like painting yourself stands in for something, which is like brutalization yeah but but the condition of being racialized is not allegorical yeah totally like so there's never yes, this version and- of like oh the green people of the other planet are like clunkily aligned with right. like black people like they're that's never present here right no and it's also this is just a full on
1: facts question what is it ever why, why are the um the, like the pot what they, the, the pyros the, the pi, pyros, yeah. py pyros why are they why are they green? Yeah, like is well, it explained why no, they paint themselves? It's a,
2: well, no, it's not. I mean, uh, other than yeah, there's some there's something about that drug that seems to like you know just <laughs> really accentuate. It's beyond. Yeah, it's beyond, and it so, accentuates physical stuff. But yeah.
0: right, it's beyond, and again, it sort of like makes. It makes impossible the question that having like colored skin, and I put this in quotation marks, <laughs> is supposed yeah. to signpost something. Yeah. And here's my question Is this in fact an allegory of Burning Man? <laughs> <laughs> yes.
3: yes.
2: <laughs> uh. <laughs>
1: Right. Megan, you—that is the—you've unlocked. I have it, cracked That's the, the code.
3: <laughs> yes,
1: the Da Vinci Code. You've cracked the Da Vinci Code because I'm here for that.
3: <laughs> it's in
1: the Mona Lisa, the, the, the Declaration of Independence, the maps on it.
0: Um. Okay, Katie, do you have a game for us?
1: I do have a game for you, and uh, it, it's in the spirit of the fact that we talked about a good book today, <laughs> and it's <and> so <laughs>
3: we did. <laughs>
1: Yes, and so um, I thought it would be a, a, a good idea if we also talked about a bad book.
3: Okay. Um,
1: it's actually it's actually more than a book, um, but we'll get to that. Uh, the common thread here, though, is that it involves the end of the world and a new beginning for humanity. Okay. Okay, so maybe you can guess it, friends. We're talking about behind. the apocalypse. Yes, you got it. Yay. <laughs> oh,
3: yeah. good.
2: Negative,
1: you know me. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, we
0: met.
2: <laughs> <laughs> if listeners are wondering what our next multi-part episode is going to be
0: on, <laughs> it's a little bit
2: hey
1: and Jenkins. Oh my God. <laughs> yes, yes, it is a a series of novels about the Rapture published between nineteen ninety five and two thousand seven, and you will never, never believe this by the time we're done done the today's game but the original 16 novel series has sold over 80 million copies
2: yeah i believe that unfortunately yeah,
0: yeah. um i bet you well, could get them at the goodwill though uh
1: that may very well be where i got my set of seven <laughs> um and just in case that's not enough for you, there's a 40-book series for children called Left Behind the Kids.
2: Of course there is.
1: The kids get left behind? <laughs> they're, teen- they're teens. They can handle it. Okay. I'm like, wow, that's fucking dark. Left Behind the Kids. Uh-huh. Um, uh, there's also f- – there are four movies of this thing. One stars Nicolas Cage, by the way. Um, and there are also four <laughs> awesome. video games, which <laughs> – Uh, yeah. And, and a series of graphic novels, which I also own. Hooray. (laughs) (laughs) Uh.
2: Um,
1: I won't, I won't belabor this point, but, uh, but the, the testimonial section of the website is worth a visit. Um, it includes phrases you might expect, like I gave God my sins, my sorrow, my failing marriage, um, and others that you may also expect, like, uh, well, going through an ugly divorce. And I've lost my entire family who have told the worst lies about me.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Uh...
1: Yep. Um, so anyway, would you... So, so it seems like you two maybe have sort of a, a decent idea of what this version of the end of days might be like. Um, but I just kind of wanted to give you a quiz about just, plot points in um in left behind and just see how well you do maybe if I, I don't know if you two are secretly reading uh left behind with a flashlight under the covers when we're not <laughs> reading books for the pod but um but if not this will just be a, a fun quiz that will you'll just kind of go on instinct does that sound okay. sounds good yeah okay all right get ready to join the forces battling the Antichrist in their bootleg (laughs) army, the tribulation force. Let's get ready. Okay. In Left Behind, what does the Antichrist do for a living? A, he's the Secretary General of the United Nations, of course. Mm. B, he is people's sexiest man alive, full time. (laughs) (laughs) Or C, he's a Romanian politician.
2: Oh, man. Now, I could be wrong. It could be C. It's not B. That's This is not – this that sort of like uh, creativity and alluringness of Satan is not really part of this yeah, particular – Yeah, that's particular too, that's too tongue-in-cheek. <laughs> it could be C, but I just – I know how deeply paranoid about specifically the United Nations, uh, the kind of like theocrat –
0: Globalist.
2: Yeah, yes, version of extremely right-wing uh, Christianity is. So I'm going to say A.
3: Okay.
0: I mean – that's my first choice, but I like the sort of Dracula y of
2: the <laughs> yeah. of C. It, it would be right. It would be pretty rad, I have to confess.
0: Okay.
1: So Megan, are you gonna go with C? Are you gonna are you gonna make the bold move? Yeah, to go I'm gonna C? go out
0: on the limb and go with C.
1: Okay. we have an A and we have a C.
0: Question two. Okay. Uh
1: Did somebody say sexy man, hubba hubba? Which of the following individuals do you think that Left Behind suggests would be the best person to be yoked with in godly marriage? (laughs) Just by name alone. A, Nikolai Carpathian. (laughs) B, Buck Williams.
3: Or
0: C, Rayford Steele those are three very different porn names
2: yeah the the well b and c i was going to say are definitely porn names the first one is making me think that megan you are actually right about the 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 romanian politician because like that that that's just that's the generic romanian name that uh you would you would come up with if you didn't know romanian people at all um
0: his name is Nikolai transylvania
2: (laughs) (laughs) wait what? yeah what was the last name again
1: Carpathian,
2: Carpathian. Yeah. So basically, <laughs> yes. Nick, yeah. Nicolae Transylvania. Yeah. Oh man. Uh, so I'm I going mean,
0: with Nikolai Transylvania for sure.
2: Yeah. Okay. I, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah. I th- I think that's right. I, I am tempted to say Buck steel but I'll I'll go with the A two.
0: Buck Williams, right, and then Rayford
2: Steele.
0: Oh, Buck Williams. Yeah, that changes. That change your answer, Tristan.
2: <laughs> I made a new poor name from those options. Uh, yeah, no, I- I'll go with I'll go with Nikolai Transylvania. Yeah.
1: Okay. All right. Good choice. Maybe not what the novel would want you to do, but I support it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay, I'm going to give you a snippet of. Uh, Real dialogue from left behind. And uh, I'm going to give you two choices as to uh, what the reference is. And you just pick one. Here's the phrase. Okay. Lady, I'm like a kryptonite member. Is that A... A special tier of frequent flyer status reserved for the top three percent of air travelers in the world, that gives you privileges like if any one flight, if any flight has one seat in the cheapest section, it has to be given to you and upgraded to first class with no additional charge.
3: <laughs>
1: or, or B, a dick that could kill Superman.
3: <laughs> All right, that's what
2: it
0: sounds like—a kryptonite member.
2: <laughs> yeah 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 um okay but I, I
0: i we know it's a
2: yeah i i know i mean it's like i wish it were b but i'm feeling like yeah it's a <laughs> it's but i'm a. still
0: kicking around with Nikolai transylvania so
2: <laughs> yeah it's all right in right, first class yeah
0: first class all right i
1: think uh I, I hate to give anything away here but you might be right on this one um okay we move on to question four one of the uh, the greatest characters in these novels is a 27-year-old flight attendant named Hattie Durham.
3: Okay.
0: Wow, these names are very like a uh, combo porn Will Rogers movie?
2: Yeah, a little <laughs> bit. A little bit.
1: Which is surprising uh, because the authors are so forward-thinking. All right. Um, It's weird.
0: So, So, like, I can't wait for... Uh, howdy, duty Rogers, to just come, you know, blazing in on his
2: <laughs> horse. Betrayals. <laughs> <laughs>
3: oh
1: boy! Um, Special I, appearance
0: by Gary Cooper in our Left Behind series.
1: <laughs> Th- yep. Thanks for joining us on the pod. So, be- so back to Hattie here. Um, all right, what what fate awaits her? A, she becomes. Uh, she has an affair with Rayford Steele, and becomes upset about his newfound faith in Jesus Christ. So Mm. she runs into the arms of the Antichrist and becomes his personal assistant and lover. Rad.
2: (laughs) That's dope, man. (laughs) Or
1: or or B. She fights the Antichrist with the Tribulation Force and is killed by the Antichrist's evil henchman, Leon Fortunato.
3: <laughs> Jesus. <God.
2: laughs> oh, man. I thought everybody's uh,
0: last name was a place. <laughs>
2: yeah. Uh, Leon Fortunato. Also, did... Uh, did. Uh, uh, What's the fucking the guy that wrote the Da Vinci Code? What the fuck is his name? Dan Dan Brown. uh, Dan Brown. Yeah, did Dan Brown write this shit? Because some of these, (laughs) I have to say, some of these names feel very Dan Brown to me. Uh, I think it's. I mean, A is awesome, but I think it's B. I
0: think it's A. I think that you have to like. She has to be a, uh, you know, she has to make the most fatal of mistakes so we can actually see the the power of the devil or whatever. Okay. We simply must see the power of the devil. <laughs> All right. Um. When is our question about like the person who uh who moves to Israel and finds the like you know center of power through Jerusalem into the Earth's core or whatever?
3: Right. Well,
1: well Megan, I I'm not comfortable saying that person's name on a podcast. <laughs>
0: awesome that it's not that you didn't say it it's that it oughtn't to be said That it, to more. it, it really oughtn't mm-hmm.
1: um
0: magnificent
1: it's good um all right spoiler
0: alert how, is their last how, name jerusalem
2: <laughs> <laughs> israelite or something
0: like yeah, that yeah so, semite but,
2: uh, <laughs> yes, I guess that's, right. that's their last name. <laughs> their
0: last.
1: Yeah. Uh huh. Every, yeah. So um, Aramaic. Yeah. <laughs> I, I shit you. Know, there is a character named, um, it's spelled differently, but, but it's pronounced, uh, it's pronounced Zion. Um, <laughs> uh,
3: yeah. of course. Yeah. Yeah. That's going to have
0: been my first guess.
1: <laughs> um, All right, spoiler alert here, folks. Uh, How does Leon Fortunato kill Hattie? A, with a bolt of lightning. B, with a paperweight. Or C, in the drawing room with the candlestick. (laughs)
0: Lightning bolt.
2: Yeah, fuck it. Let's go. That, that uh, we, we need some, we need some end of days eschatological, uh, yeah. <laughs> some fireworks here. Yeah.
0: All right, we're going. We're going with A. Erases okay. the um, end of the cliff, so oh. she run, runs off the end. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, this this concludes um, this concludes your quiz, and uh, I will say that due to a series of events. Um, you both you both win here. You both get this one because some of the questions, all the choices are true. So
0: (laughs) amazing. Can
1: you give us an example of one in which all the choices are true? I'd love to give you an example of that. Uh Nikolai Carpathian is the Secretary General of the UN and Mm. the sexiest man alive and a Romanian politician.
2: (laughs) okay okay that's amazing yeah
1: and Hattie in fact does does both A and B first she becomes the UN Secretary General's lover (laughs) and then she fights the Antichrist later and is killed by his henchman Leon Mm. Fortunato with a (laughs) lightning bolt (laughs)
2: In the drawing
1: room Yeah But at the end Jesus resurrects her And gives a nice speech about how good she was Thanks Jesus
0: Yeah Always coming through for us
1: Exactly (laughs) So I don't know about you But even just thinking about reading this book Makes me want to go back and read Everything Octavia Butler's ever written About the end of the world Oh yeah
2: Yes yes
1: and also read all seven of the – or read all fucking 14th, eleven seven of these fucking books.
2: N- next season on Better Rated.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we also have to read all of L. Ron Hubbard's – I know we already talked about L. Ron Hubbard on this episode, but like all eight, 84 books about the sky, uh, the aliens with the little bugs that live on you. We're, Dianetics, we're baby. We're,
2: we're all suppressive people, yeah. That's
3: true. <laughs>
0: We're suppressed people. That's not to say. (laughs) (laughs) I'm (laughs) repressed. You're right. (laughs) Well, thank you. That's it's always just such a pleasure and I will not be reading any of those books. (laughs) Mm, more for me (laughs) (laughs) so uh, this has been better than dead today we want to make sure we voice our support for the actions of protesters and organizers against police terror structural racism and the carceral state please donate to your local bail and mutual aid funds to help those arrested during the current struggles And you can find me on Twitter at Tussler You can find Katie on Twitter at Katie Crywo. You can find Tristan on Twitter at TJ Schweiger. You can find the show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Pod, spelled R-E-A-D. And email us at BetterRedPodcast at gmail.com. But only if you have other suggestions for sci-fi for idiots and or neophytes. (laughs) <laughs> our intro music is love bronstein by the redskins and used with their permission our logo was created by jane bonzak of jb design and content please rate review and subscribe next week we have of mice and men and soon we have journal of the plague Gear." so thanks comrades